Hello, and welcome to the Be Bold Fitness Podcast, the show where we talk about different topics in the health, wellness, and fitness space. No topic is off limits here. I'm your host, Tessa Breeden, certified personal trainer and nutrition specialist, the passion for helping busy adults tone up, lose body fat, and feel good. Sonia Shement, I hope I said it right. Yes. <laughs> is a running performance coach, certified personal trainer, USA track and field coach, and was voted the number one running coach in Austin in 2021. I am super excited to have you today. I have obviously seen you around. I used to work out at the gym that you train out of, but I had the honor of taking a running clinic with you. What was that? Like six-ish weeks ago. And yeah. I knew that I absolutely had to have you on the podcast. And so I am thrilled to have you today. Oh, well, thank you. It's it's an honor. Um, this is super fun. I'm excited. As well, I feel like now is the perfect time. So we're recording these early. People are going to be listening to this in starting in February, but it doesn't matter. January, February, even into March are really when people start setting some serious new goals for themselves. And I love to joke and tell the story that in I believe it was 2019, I set out strong with a running goal for the new year and I got about a week into my running goal and I gave up because, well, it's just not something that I am great at. And I think it's something that a lot of people don't feel particularly confident in. And I really just want to talk a little bit about that today. So tell me about your background, how you got into running and how it all started. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, we have to go way back to middle school. Way back. I started. <laughs> yeah, way back. I started running in middle school. Um, I have been a track athlete since I was 11 years old. Um, I loved it so much that I ended up um, running in college, and I ran. Um, well, I was a pole vaulter. Um, so I pole vaulted at Rutgers University in New Jersey, and um, I just, at some point along the way, I decided that I just want to be around the track and I want to be around running for the rest of my life. And so I started taking the steps to, to get me there. So, um, so yeah, so fast forward, I, uh, coached for a while at a community college in, uh, Dodge city, Kansas. I was the strength coordinator for the track team there. Um, that was my first job out of college. And then, um, and then I was also the sprints coach there um, and then moved to Austin uh, where I was working with Camp Gladiator for a while. And then I also was training my own clients and mostly in running um, and things like that. And then uh, actually recently within the past couple of years, I really decided I wanted to get back to my roots, my running roots. And so um during the pandemic, when everything was going virtual, I decided to launch my own virtual running program um, called Delta Performance that it revolves around runners and helping people, um, helping runners of all backgrounds getting to those running goals that they want to be at. And, um, and yeah, and I actually just recently, um, again, trying to get back to my roots of track and field, I just recently got, um, uh, got hired at St. Michael's High School, um, and I'm going to be their uh, pole vault and their sprints coach. So, congrats! So that's, that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm really exciting. looking forward to it. Um, track, 
track practice starts at the end of this month. So I'm, I'm excited about that. That's amazing. Well, I'm glad I caught you right before the busy season starts. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So I want to dive in and just start with the basics. How does somebody okay. get into running if they want to start running? Yeah. Um, I, whenever someone is new to running, I, I like to, to remind people, and I'm sure that you do this too with, with people who are lifting. I know that you're, I know that you are, are the gym girl always in, yep. always picking up heavy weights and stuff, which is awesome. I think we need more women picking up heavy weights. Um, but anyways, I'm sure you tell this to your clients. Like when you are starting out, you're going to not pick up probably not pick up a hundred pounds for a while. You're probably not going to start right off the bat with a barbell squat. Like you're going to start really slow. You might be doing body weight stuff. You might be, you know, only lifting one day a week to begin. We're going to take really slow, small steps to get to where we want to be. Um, I think one of the reasons that so many people who say, I want to get into running quit within their first week is because they try to jump in head first and they go read a bunch of read a bunch of articles about running and how oh if I'm gonna train for a marathon I need to be running X amount of miles every week and they try doing that and it's too much. It's way too much and then they get hurt or they get injured and it's hard and they get discouraged and then so they say, you know what, running's just not for me because it's too much. And so whenever someone is wanting to get into running, that's what I always like to tell them is start slow depending on, you know, take, take a look, take stock of where you are and where, where you have been. If you have been a runner and you stopped for a while and you're coming back, then you probably have a, a good idea of how many miles you can probably go without stopping. Um, and maybe shorten that. If you are somebody who's brand spanking new, has never ran ever. And you're like, I want to get into it. Let's, let's start by just trying to run for one minute without stopping. And for a lot of people, that's hard. And that's where we need to start is just teaching ourselves to run slow enough so that we can maintain a pace. Um, and that's the first thing that we learn with with pace training is, is how to run slow. <laughs> I love that. I definitely need to do that because I am that person who tries to dive in head first. And that's exactly what I did when I set my running goal was like, I'm going to run a mile every single day. And that's, that's a like a, that's a lofty, that is a lofty goal. Um, and then if you miss a day and you have to make yeah. up those days, all of a sudden you're on Thursday and you're stuck at three miles for that day. And you're like, wow, I've never ran three miles straight through. Yeah, that's a lot. lot. <clears throat> that's a lot. A mile is far. Um, I, well, you know, here's the way that I talk about running. Like, distance and pace and speed is all relative. I personally don't believe that anyone is slow. I don't believe that anyone is, you know, that anyone is incapable of doing something. It's all you and where you're at. Um, and running just like anything in fitness is it's all relative. It's based on you and what you want. So I don't, you know, I, I, I try to tell people like, don't, don't get, don't get bogged down about not looking like a runner. Like, everybody's a runner. If you go out and run, you're a runner. Like it doesn't matter what yeah. you look like. Don't get bogged down on, man, I, I, I can only run one mile without stopping. Or even I can only run like a quarter mile without stopping. That's okay. You're a runner. You're out there doing it every day, aren't you? Like that's makes you a runner. Um, I think that sometimes we just, we get so caught up in, in these little boxes that society puts us in and, and we 
we want to, we can't, we don't feel like we can say that this is who I am until we fit into this box and this image. And, and I, I, I mean, if you look at the running community, I mean, there are runners of all shapes and sizes and paces and speeds and, and everything else. And you know what? They're all runners. So. Yeah. And I feel like running is such a diverse sport in the sense that you can, if you are a healthy-ish individual, you can do it for a long time and it doesn't require a lot in terms of equipment. Um, yeah. I want to talk yeah. a lot about the difference between trail running, street running, and treadmill running because I yeah. think that's something I don't know a lot about. I am like an adamant, I like a treadmill because I like to have a pace set for me. And I've heard yeah. that's a very unpopular opinion. And so I'd love <laughs> to just like know what the differences are. Yeah. So uh, I think one of the reasons that's an unpopular opinion in just amongst a lot of runners is because as a runner, I think a lot of runners like one of the reasons they enjoy running is because they enjoy exploring and going out and seeing things. And a treadmill is just keeping them in one spot. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like taking us asking a cyclist, you know, like if you cycle and you're used to cycling 30 plus miles and you get to see your whole city in a day, like, Hey, go sit on a stationary bike and cycle that same distance, but you don't get to move. Like that's, in, in a lot of runners opinions, it's, it's a little boring. Um, but you know, I'm not going to knock that because I, I do train quite a few. I, uh, through my virtual program, I train quite a few ladies who live in Colorado and there are some months of the year where it is way too cold to go outside. Um, it's cold, there's ice on the roads, you know, they literally cannot run outside. So they all have treadmills and there's a good time of the year where they're on their treadmill for, eight miles for, you know, an hour, hour and a half, and they're getting their workout in. So there's nothing wrong with it. You know, if you are somebody who's like, I really actually like being on the treadmill, then be on the treadmill. Like, that's okay. You can still be a runner and be a treadmill runner. There's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. What um, are what are your opinions about uh, just like regular treadmills and then something like, uh, like a self-powered treadmill? Yeah. So me personally, I am not a huge fan of a regular treadmill just because um, it tends to be a little bit limiting on your form and your gait when you're running. Um, I feel very, personally, I feel very squished. Um, and I, I think that that is also, I think quite a few runners feel similarly um, on a treadmill. Um I love a self-powered treadmill. Um, at the gym that I train at, we actually have two of them, and it's my personal favorite piece of equipment that we have in the gym. Um, I can run on that all day long. I love that thing. And one of the reasons that I like it is because it's actually designed. So a lot of these self-powered treadmills are actually designed to help you stay in good running form, um, and they help promote that. Um, and then it also mimics how you would be feeling if you were running on the ground. So one of the biggest differences between running on a treadmill and on the ground is when you're running on a treadmill, you have no friction. There's no friction from the ground and there's no, you know, it's, it's a lot easier on, um, on your muscles. So that's why you too see there's, uh, there's like 
you can run a marathon on the road and then there's also world records for a marathon on a treadmill. And there's a reason that on a treadmill, it's like hours faster than the world record for the the full marathon on the road. And the reason is, is because all they're really doing when you run on a treadmill is just picking your feet up and the ground is moving for you. So you're essentially like doing small high knees over and over and over and over again, instead of actually pushing the ground away from you. Interesting. I never thought of it like that. I never thought about how you have to have so much muscle endurance elsewhere to, to run because again, I am a treadmill runner. So (laughs) yeah. And again, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, there are definitely when, uh, whenever we're, so I've been coaching running based athletes for a long time. Um, even when I was with camp gladiator, I still had my own personal clients that I was training on the side. And, um, anyways, there's a great time and place for treadmill running and some people just prefer it because it is, I mean, to be quite honest, it is a little easier to run on a treadmill versus running on the road. And, and we do, we will put athletes on a treadmill from time to time when they are coming back from an injury, um, because it is easier to run on a treadmill and it's easier on the muscles. Um, so, so all for all those runners out there who might be listening, if you are injured, um, which tends to happen from time to time, you know, you get some muscle injuries or tightness in your tendons or whatever. Um, and you're coming back, you know, maybe take a couple of weeks where you're running on the treadmill and just letting your body get used to that, that running feeling again, before you take it out onto the road. That's a perfect segue into my next question of how do you keep yourself from getting hurt while running? My number one, because this <laughs> this is almost every person that I talk to who says they're a runner, my number one, warm up. Warm up. It's the same in the weight room, right? We're not going to go get underneath a barbell that's got 200 pounds on it and just start squatting 200 pounds. No, you're going to warm up first. You're going to do okay. some mobility. You're going to do some other stuff. Can you explain what you mean by warm up? Because I know in your running clinic, you specifically touched on the warm up portion and how warming up does not just mean going for your first mile run at a slower pace. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly right. Um, there's a ton of people who go out there and they just, they, they're like, I'm going to run six miles today and my first two miles are going to be my warm up. Well, then you didn't run six miles. You ran four miles in my opinion. When we warm up, when you run, warm up for running, you want to be priming your muscles and priming your joints to be able to, 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 you know, take you down the road. And so some of the things that you should be doing are walking on your toes, walking on your heels, warming up your shins, warming up your shin muscles. Um, I bet you there's quite a few people who are listening who are like, man, I always have shin splints for the first like mile or two when I run. Wouldn't it be nice to just start running and not have those shin splints? Warm up, warm up your shins, warm up your calves, um, do some walking lunges, do some little stretching. And, and when I say stretching, I don't mean I don't mean static stretching. Like don't just reach down and grab your hamstring for 30 seconds and say, all right, warmed up. Like, no, that's, that's what we do for cooling down. That sounds like my warm ups. <laughs> no, Tessa, <laughs> no, <laughs> that's probably why it hurts a little bit when you go run on the, on the ground too, because your body is not necessarily ready. Your muscles are not necessarily ready for you to be pushing the ground away from you, which is what you're doing when you run is you're literally pushing the ground away from you with every step. Um, 
So, so yeah, so we want to be doing things like leg swings to warm up the stretch, the hamstrings and the hips. We want to be doing things like walking lunges to make sure that your glutes are ready to hold your torso. Um, I like to say that your glutes are kind of the foundation for your house. When it comes to your body, your glutes hold up everything. They hold your hips in place, which keeps your spine in line, which keeps your torso in place. Um, and so your glutes, if they're not warmed up for running, you're going to risk injury. Um, Warm up your abs, do some sit-ups, do some bicycle crunches, do some a couple of planks. Um, bird dogs are an amazing way to warm up. Bird dogs actually mimic all of the same muscle contractions that uh, you go through when you are taking every step when you run. Um, so doing some bird dogs. I, I don't actually ever take off on a run without doing at least 10 bird dogs on each side of my body. Um you know, doing things like that. And then gradually after you do some, some of those things that are a little bit lower intensity, then we start to pick up the intensity a little bit by doing something called ankle pops, which are just, you know, you're just kind of hopping on your toes a little bit. Um, you could do some jumping jacks, do some light, light, rapid plyometrics that are going to warm up those tendons, warm up the central nervous system, get everything firing so that you can then go take off on your run. Um, I always recommend 15 minute minimum warm up, 30 minute is better. Um, I understand that we don't always have that kind of time, so I, I get it. But the way that I like to explain it is, is you know, kind of like I said a minute ago, yes, you can go out for a six mile run or four mile run or whatever, and you can say, I'm going to warm up for the first mile in my run, which is fine. And then you're going to start getting into your actual paces. Again, that's fine. But wouldn't it be nice to be able to start right off the bat and you're at the pace that you want to be at two miles in? You're actually going to be able to maintain your pace longer. You're going to be able to run faster. Your body is going to be ready to go. So it's just going to set you up for way more success. Um, and it's going to help keep you from feeling these nagging injuries, um, which I know was your original question is warming up. Or what should we do to to not injure ourselves? Yeah, um, like you said, it's the same thing in the weight room or really with anything. We have to warm up to make sure that we are able to prevent injury. Now, is there an importance when it comes to the gear, like your shoes when you're running? Is that going to help to prevent injury? Or like, are there are there certain shoes that you should be wearing as a runner? Oh, definitely, absolutely. Um, Every person is a little bit different. Everybody has different needs. Um, so I'm never going to say everybody needs to be wearing this X shoe. Um, I always, always recommend that you go into a shoe store, specifically a running store, um, if you want to run and find right the right shoes for you. I personally love Fleet Feet. Um, Fleet Feet is fantastic. The reason I like them so much is because they will actually – they actually have a, a 3D scanner that they have you stand on that scans your feet and it'll show you, you know, exactly how your arch sits, like how your ankles sit when you stand. They'll watch you walk. Um, and then they're going to ask you a ton of questions about your shoes. I mean, when you go into Fleet Feet to try on shoes, you are not going in and out. You're going to be there for like an hour. Um, and that's the way it should be because, I mean, you, this is, you're essentially shopping for a car for your feet. You know, you want to make sure that it feels right. You want to make sure that you sit right in it. You want to make sure that it's, it's taking care of everything that you personally need. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend going out and, and finding shoes that work for you. I know that 
a couple of years, I get this question asked a lot, especially now that these like all the minimal shoes are very popular right now, which there's in the weight room, like, yeah, minimal shoes all the way. Like, that's fine. But here's the thing. Uh, I get this question a lot is like, should I be trying to run barefoot or should I be trying to run in minimal shoes? My answer is no. <laughs> and the reason is, is you're not walking around barefoot every day. You're, you've been, since you were a little tiny baby, you've been put into shoes and your feet have morphed into relying on shoes. And if you're getting to the point, if you're trying to get to the point where you can go into more minimal shoes, that's fine. But pounding on the ground constantly when you run is very hard on your feet. It's very hard on your joints. And so if you don't have proper shoes or if you don't give yourself the time you need to build up to the point where you can run barefoot, then you're going to need some cushion. Um, and I know that I'm probably going to get some flack for that comment. And there's going to be probably somebody who listens who's like, well, there's this one guy in my neighborhood who runs around barefoot all the time. And I'm like, yeah. And you know, that guy that's running barefoot in your neighborhood probably took years for him to get there. He probably did not decide one day I'm going to go run barefoot every single day and just started running miles and miles and miles barefoot. Like, no, he probably started out by running barefoot in the grass for maybe 10 minutes and then built up from there to, and got to the point where he can now run barefoot. I mean, it, again, it's just like anything else. You have to take baby steps to, to get there. So, so yeah. Okay. Do you at least have like three recommendations of shoe brands you like for running that you personally prefer? Yeah. Um, I love on, I'm a huge on fan. Um, they just, their technology is fantastic. They have, shoes for every type of foot. Um, I used to be a really big Nike girl. Um, you used to, I would never buy anything but Nike. Um, and in the past couple of years, I have been completely converted into on, um, again, because on leans on is a slightly more minimalist brand, which I do appreciate. Um, because I do think that, yes, our feet need to be out of shoes and socks a lot. Um, and they're just, they're just wonderful. Um, again, they have shoes for all types of runners. They started out as a trail running company um, by three engineers who are all very into, uh, very into ultra running. And they, all three of them, kind of got together and we're like, man, we just don't feel like there's a good shoe out there for what we need. And so they started building shoes kind of based off of what they thought they needed. Um, and the brand has built from there. Um, I would also recommend, um, Brooks Brooks is constantly, um, constantly one of the top running shoe brands in the world. Um, Brooks is a fantastic company. I ran in Brooks for a little while, um, and really enjoyed the shoes that I had. Um, and then I would also recommend New Balance. New Balance as well um, is another shoe company that is 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 very quality. Um, they make really good shoes. One of the things that I'm not a huge fan about with New Balance is that um, New Balance, the way that they make their shoes, they are very lightweight, which is great, um, but they do fall apart quickly. Um, I was actually running in New Balance for a long time before I switched over to On, and I've stuck with On because... I can buy a pair of ons and they last me like twice as long as my new balance did. Notice how I didn't say Nike or Reebok or Adidas because they're just not, they're just not as good. 
Yeah, that's fair. And if anybody's watching this video and they see me looking down, my dog is trying to eat my wall. Um, so as I mentioned <laughs> before we hopped on this, I said this is going to be a very chaotic episode. Um, and it, it, it is indeed, um, at least on my side. Your side's nice and calm. Yeah, I think that when people get into running and maybe this is even – I'm going to use fitness clothing as a bad example, but people want to choose whatever's inexpensive. And it's sort of like you're almost mm-hmm. saying to yourself, like, I don't trust that I'm going to follow through with this. And so I'm not going to make that investment in myself. But like you said, if you want to become a runner, even if that is a casual runner, you have to make some sort of investment in what you're putting on your body. Because at the end of the day, and you can obviously speak to this and maybe share some opinions, but if you start having body issues, your hips start hurting, your back starts to hurt, a lot of that's coming from your feet. Majority of that's coming from your feet. And so if we don't invest in good footwear, whether it's for running, whether it's for other specific ports, weight training, um, or like cross training, then we're going to eventually see some issues down the line. And so I do think it's really important to make sure you're investing in quality uh, equipment, if for lack of better words, for our bodies, because it's what's going to prevent us from getting injured, from um, having any issues down the line. And uh, like myself, I have terrible ankles. I had ankle surgery a few years back. I have really flat feet. I wear insoles in all of my shoes. And so running and finding a proper shoe for myself has always been a huge challenge. Like you said, Nike's everyone, they're trendy, they're cute, whatever. Mm-hmm. So people automatically go to them. Now I do think Nike's a decent cross training shoe, but I don't know if I would run long distance. What what about like what about cross training? If somebody's doing something like an orange theory, maybe it's Camp Gladiator, like a Barry's boot yeah. camp, do you have any recommendations for like how they should take that? Yeah. Um, are you talking like shoes specifically or just yeah, like cross yeah, training with running? I'd say I will dive into that. That's actually going to be my next question, but let's talk shoes first. And then I want to okay. talk a little bit about the like fitness portion about running. Yeah. So I always recommend with like cross training and I'm so glad that you brought, you know, you brought up the footwear thing because it, it really does matter. I see, I'm going to go on a quick rant and then I swear I'm going to answer your question. <laughs> I see so many people all the time out there running. And I'm like, oh my God, that person is running in Nike Metcons. Nike Metcons were specifically designed for like Olympic weightlifting and, and lifting in the gym. They're very flat. They actually have a, um, a, uh, uh, like a piece of, not a piece of metal, but they have like a piece of stiff plastic in the bottom of them. They're hard. They can't bend them. No. And I see people out there on, on Ladybird Lake, like running on the trail. And I'm just like, oh my God, your shins, your feet, like that cannot be comfortable. Like stop running in Nike Metcons. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> so <funny>. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Having proper footwear for whatever you do is extremely important. Um, yeah. As far as cross trainers go, I, I recommend, again, On is my new favorite shoe brand. Um, I've been wearing them for like three years now. Um, One of the reasons, another reason that I really love them is because they, when they write specs up for their shoes, they will specifically next to their shoes say like, this is a cross trainer. You know? Oh, okay. That's nice. 
You know, and Nike, like I've been on Nike's website and I did this like when I was, I mean, I was a division one athlete and I first went to college, I was like buying myself some running shoes and I went on Nike's website and I found these shoes that I thought were really cute and they had labeled them as, I don't remember exactly what they had labeled them as, but it was like running cross trainee something or other. And I remember thinking like, oh, okay, well they're Nike, Nike's a running shoe brand. Like it's fine. And I bought them and within, I went to one practice in them and I had the worst feet pains, my knees hurt, like everything hurt. And my coach was like, what are you wearing? Like he was appalled that I was wearing these shoes at practice because they were not actual running shoes. And so I just think sometimes that like, you know, these, these big, these big performance, I'm doing air quotes for those of you who are just listening, but these big performance brands who are also fashion brands, they don't always, they don't always write specs that are up for their shoes and things that are very, um, that make a lot of sense. And so they can be confusing. Um, uh, yeah. So anyways, so one of the reasons I like on again is because they're very upfront with like, this shoe is a everyday shoe, or this is a travel shoe. Like, so do not essentially like don't work out in this shoe. This shoe is a distance shoe. They even go so far as to with their shoes, they'll say like, oh gosh, I said Siri or something, and my Siri is trying to open things on my computer. Stop it. <laughs> um, Always okay. listening. Technology, man. <laughs> For real. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, go away. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so even on there, like, if you go to their website right now and you type in running shoes, uh, it will specifically pull up shoes, and it'll say these shoes are a speed shoe for 5Ks and under. These shoes are for 10Ks and half marathons. These shoes are for marathons plus um, or like ultras. And so they'll even tell you these shoes were specifically built for this type of distance, uh, which I really love. And I think that so many runners need those things because, because yeah, because you see, you know, I see people all the time out there running and I just want to go stop them and be like, what are you wearing? Your poor feet. Like, and I can usually guess like <laughs> kind of like at the, at the running clinic, you know, there were a couple times where I was like, all right, uh, whose shins hurt right now? And I almost always could guess, like looking at everybody and looking at what shoes they're wearing, I was like, I bet you these ladies right here are going to raise their hands because they're not wearing proper footwear. Yeah. And I, I mean, I can only speak from personal experience. I wear Nike Metcon 7s, which are like the newest model of Nike mm -hmm. Metcons that have a lot more flexibility that are intended for cross training. Now, I actually do not lift in this particular style of Metcons because it is mm -hmm. not a flat enough shoe for me to do lower body workouts in, but I do find cross training is pretty comfortable in them because yeah. they also have that toe that is slightly raised. So it mm -hmm. makes for a bit of a different uh, functionality than a flat shoe would um, for a lifting purpose. Now, I recently saw something on, I think it was on Instagram from, do you know who like Matt Choi is? Oh, yes. Yeah. And he posted something about how if you are not running, you should not be wearing running shoes as like an everyday shoe. Can you expand yeah. on that a little bit? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So when you are running shoes are not everyday shoes. Running shoes, there's things in them called a drop. Sometimes they have a speed board in them. Um, they put your feet into these positions that are meant to be running. So when we run um, and and this is something that we kind of went into detail, Tessa, during the, the running clinic. But I mean, there's 
there's certain form that you're supposed to be trying to hold when you run. And there's certain ways that you're supposed to be striking the ground with your feet. And there's certain ways that you hold your ankles and all these things. And, and running shoes will actually try to put you into these positions because it's going to help you run longer and farther or, you know, or shorter and faster. Um, and so, yeah, so when you're walking around in running shoes all day, not only one, are you tearing down your running shoes that were made to do a specific task? You're also, you're running the risk of, of making your feet hurt and things like that because you're, again, your running shoes are made for running and they're not made for walking because they're pulling your toe up slightly because you need to be dorsiflexing your ankle when you run. And they're, maybe they have a really big drop. Um, and that's a drop is where your heel is lifted a little higher than where your, where your, um, where your toes are. And so essentially you're kind of walking around on squishy heels all day. And like, you know, us ladies, you know what that's like to walk around in heels all night. Like that hurts. And after a while, like it's the same thing with running shoes. Like you should not be walking around in your running shoes for an everyday shoe. I mean, it's kind of like lifting shoes. If anybody knows anything about lifting shoes, they are specifically raised in the heel and they have a very hard sole and a wide toe box specifically. So you can have that feeling of lifting barefoot. Essentially, you would never walk around downtown in a pair of lifting shoes. One, because you'd look like a dummy and two, because <laughs> it would probably be extremely uncomfortable. And so again, we have to remember that a lot of these things, if we're buying the proper equipment, that these are sports specific. And sometimes we have to separate the two. I actually went to Dick's Sporting Goods earlier, was looking for a good cross training shoe. And I mm -hmm. asked the guy about those, those cute Nikes. I don't know what they are, but they have that puffy bottom. And I said, are these like, okay for anything? And he's like, nah, these are fashion shoes. And I was uh -huh. like, all right, good to know. And he's like, I would never work out in those. I was like, awesome. Well, that's helpful. Um, so I definitely think that's a really good sales rep. <laughs> like he was not just trying to sell you those shoes. No. He wanted you to be comfortable. That's good. Yeah, no, he did. I tried on some APLs, but ultimately just like, don't love them. Um, yeah. But, Ooh. uh, well, I have a great cross trainer for you from on. Perfect. Um, She's like, I'm here to sell everybody an on shoe. <laughs> let me tell you all about it. Um, they're called the cloud X or the cloud X shift. They're phenomenal. They're pretty, um, they're pretty minimal. Uh, there's like a very, I think there's like a less than a one millimeter drop, but they're great for agility. They're also great for lifting. Um, I am a big, big fan of them. Awesome. Well, I will obviously yeah. have to check them out. Yeah. I, I kind of laughed when you mentioned Metcon. So like the tradition, oh, we're talking about, so the traditional Metcon shoe yes. from Nike, which is yes, a designed as a lifting shoe. The one I mentioned now, yes, I still see people lifting in Metcon sevens, but I personally would consider that more of a versatile cross training shoe just due to its style. It's lightweight. It's a little bit more flexible than the other Metcons. But mh. I wonder if some of that comes from the CrossFit culture. Because oh. I had this conversation the other day that CrossFit shoes in particular, so something like a Noble, uh, which mm -hmm. is essentially a flat bottom lifting shoe, you're still running a lot in CrossFit, depending on what the workout is. And I've never understood 
what the proper footwear to wear to CrossFit is. That always just like, it gets me for some reason. I I, I can never comprehend. <laughs> Tessa, I just, I know that we haven't had a ton of conversations ever, but I am freaking loving this because CrossFit confuses me for a lot of reasons, but also because of the footwear. Because yes, because that's exactly so the Nike Metcons were made because Nike was um, getting bought out by Reebok because that was the CrossFit shoe was Reebok. And so Nike made Metcons because they were trying to compete with Reebok. And anyways, it just like blows my mind because you're right. They do run a lot in CrossFit. And I'm like, you're asking these people to run a lot and do all this crazy stuff and you are asking and then like these brands are putting them in shoes that are just really not good for running and like any distance not even five yards well that's where even some of that like the minimal footwear I don't even know what they're called but some of those really thin shoes I've literally I can confidently say the only place I've ever seen people wear these is in the city of Austin. I've never seen these anywhere else. Like there is such an interesting fitness community here where there's so much diversity in fitness, but I do see a lot of that like flat bottom shoe. And that's typically that Reebok shoe. That is the CrossFit shoe is a thin, it's a thin, it's a mesh body and a thin shoe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. If you're doing cross training where you are going to be, you know, maybe you're taking like an orange theory class or something where you're going to be lifting and then you're also going to be jogging and lifting and jogging. I definitely recommend. I I have seen the Metcon sevens. Those are great. I know there's quite a few people who work out on those. And again, I'm not trying to like knock Metcons all together because they do have their place and, and everything, but it just, it, you know, it goes to show that footwear matters. I mean, you need to be wearing a shoe if you're going to be going to those types of classes or doing those types of things. Like you need to find a shoe that that is going to be stable, that you can do some lateral movements, but that also has enough cushion that you can go run, you know, take a take a 200 meter lap or a 100 meter lap or just like sprinting back and forth. Like you need some cushion in there. I think so you again, also have to consider, well, I think you also have to consider how much of the activity you're doing. So we're using Orange Theory as that example. Orange Theory is going to be, so you have three portions if you've never taken an Orange Theory class. Quick little synopsis here. You have a weight floor, you have a rowing machine, and you have a treadmill. And you spend most of your class between the treadmill and the rower. And so you have to consider that footwear when you're remembering you're going to be on that treadmill for about 20 minutes. So you're running for 20 minutes, you're most likely rowing and doing some sort of plyometric move. Let's just say it's squat jumps at the treadmill, and then you are going to be on the weight floor. And the thing about Orange Theory in particular, you're never going to be lifting heavy enough weights to need a flat bottom shoe. So you don't need a weightlifting shoe at Orange Theory, or you're not going to have to switch back and forth because Mm -hmm. at Orange Theory, you're going to be doing a lot more cardio. Even on your heavy days, the heaviest weights they typically have that are like readily available are like 35 pounds. Yeah, you can grab heavier weights, but you're not using a barbell. You're not using heavy machinery or using light dumbbell work for most of what you're doing. If you're mm-hmm. doing something like CrossFit and you are lifting and you know that particular Metcon is going to be very limited in running, 
you could then go for a lifting shoe. If you know that Metcon that day has a lot of running, maybe you switch up your shoe because you know you're going to be doing mostly upper body work and not lower body. And so I do think there has to be some consideration based on what activity you're doing as well. Um, but it's all it's all kind of relative. And I, I guess at the end of the day, people have to choose what works best for them. But don't say yes. we didn't warn you if your feet hurt. <laughs> or just the rest of your joints too. Like, oh my gosh, if I were to lift in my running shoes, like I know for a fact my knees would start hurting because they're too squishy. Yeah. Again, my I like love this. I have a puppy for anybody that does not know. I have a puppy and currently she's decided that the wall is her new chew toy as of today. Um, so that's like super fun. I love, I love running a business when you like have to be from home and then you get to watch your animal like destroy things. I had a call earlier this week and my dog ate my carpet on the call live on video. And I just thought to myself, like, why, why does this happen? <laughs> Cause you have I, a baby. You literally have a baby. <laughs> I digress. Okay. Sonia, well, we've now been talking about shoes for the past 30 minutes. Uh, <laughs> I love shoes. I love shoes though. So we can talk about heels next. I do too. I love shoes too. But I also want to talk a lot about, we've talked quite extensively on cross training. And so mm-hmm. I am a weightlifter. That is how I identify, you identify as a runner. But I'd really love to know, I'm seeing such an uptick in a lot of my strength training clients who are wanting to get into running or wanting Mm -hmm. to get into either half or full marathons. So can you explain how we can start incorporating strength training into our running routine or vice versa and more running into our strength training routines? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things, so let's start with, let's start with if you are a runner and you are wanting to strength train. Um, that was, I, this was something that, you know, when you would ask me about injury, I, I knew I wanted to mention this at some point. Warming up, yes, it's very important to keep you from injured, keep getting injured, but, but so is weightlifting for running. Weightlifting is very important. Um, just like, you know, if you are, consider yourself a weightlifter, you have supplemental days where you're doing things like shoulder rotations and like, you know, the quote unquote boring exercises that are going to keep your hips and your joints and everything ready to go. Um, It's the same thing with running. So you definitely need to be in the weight room as a runner. You need to be doing, you need to be doing a lot of single leg work because as a runner, you're never on both your feet at the same time. You are always on one foot. And so to be not just a good runner, but to be an injury-free runner, you need to be doing single leg squats. You need to be doing a lot of lunges, a lot of lateral lunges, um, a lot of you know single leg Romanian deadlifts. You need to be doing a lot of things on one leg. And you don't necessarily need to be lifting the heaviest weight ever. Um, if you ever see me weightlifting or even if you follow me on Instagram and you see that I'm in the weight room or something, rarely are you going to see me squatting a ton of weight. Because as a runner, I don't need to be squatting the same amount of weight that you are squatting, Tessa. Um, and and that's okay, but I do need to be squatting. I do need to have some weight on my back. I do need to be strengthening those those muscles and those joints that are gonna help propel me down the track or the um, you know, or the road. So so that was one of the things when I when I built my online running program was I said I I had done, you know, I had looked into all kinds of 
of marathon training plans and things like that and and you know gone to rogue running and and all that what have you um rogue running is like a, a running company here in austin that that it, they're like a running group that you pay to go to and they give you training plans and things like that anyways um but I just noticed that all these running programs, it was like, here's the running stuff that you're supposed to do. And then go weightlift on your own, go to cross train. They always say like, this is a cross training day, but they never tell you what to do. And as somebody who in my first job, that was my whole purpose of being on the track team. Like the reason I got hired was because they wanted me to be the strength coordinator for the entire track team. And so, yes, part of my job was, was to help these athletes build the strength to run faster or jump higher or farther. But also a big part of my job was making sure that these athletes who were having shin splints or having back pain or shoulder pain, things like that while they're running, figuring out why they're having these issues and then figure out exercises to give them to make that go away. And so it just, when I, when I built Delta performance, I was like, man, there's this big gap in the running world that we're not getting. It's always cross training has always just been like that thing you're supposed to go do. And nobody really tells you what to do. And that's why you then see runners who are like, I'm cross training and they're doing like burpees, which makes no sense. <laughs> so doing proper cross training, like, like, again, like lunges and a lot of single leg work and, and exercises that are going to mimic running is, is really important. Um, so, so yeah. So as somebody who is a runner who needs to get into the weight room, like start small, start body weight exercises. Um, again, lots of single leg stuff, lots of core stability, um, build the posterior chain, do supermans, do bird dogs, things like that. Your posterior chain is, so, so it's like, it's in a lot of ways, it's almost more important than your front side because we're so front side dominant as humans. Um, How do you feel about incorporating rowing as a runner? Because rowing is one of the best exercises to target your posterior chain. There's actually quite a few professional runners who do rowing as a form of cross training. I mean, it's it's a great way to do it, especially because not only are you building strength in your backside and in your legs, because rowing is not just an upper body exercise, it's a full body exercise. You're also still able to build your cardiovascular health and you're also able to get some extra like VO2 max training in when you're on a rower. So rowing is a great way to do it. Um, I know that there's quite a few professional runners who do rowing on their cross training days. Yeah, I obviously I was a full time Orange Theory coach. And so we learned a lot about rowing. And I would say rowing was something I was not as educated on prior mm -hmm. to working there. And so it's something I really had to work on and just realizing rowing works 80% of your muscles. And it really it really does because you mentioned, you know, people oftentimes think rowing is an upper body exercise, but if done correctly, it is a full body workout because it requires you to push off of a machine kind of like you would, you would when you were running, but it mm -hmm. also requires enough upper body to pull the resistance back. But then you also have to consider you have the endurance it takes to be on a rower, which for me personally, I actually think is even more challenging than running uh, because it is so full body. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Rowing is tough. I have a hard time with it personally. Um, I also, I'm also just, uh, as such a runner that I love going places that anything I do that's stationary, I'm like, Oh, this is boring. <laughs> that's funny. I, so on, 
When it comes to the strength training, I'd love to hear your perspective on this. I, until this year, I really hadn't trained anybody that was running, but I've had quite a few clients that have, as I mentioned, taken on half marathons or full marathons. And so it's been kind of interesting as a trainer to have to make adjustments for them. And something I've found that has been very helpful for them is doing a really nice, like six weeks on, six weeks off of strength and then endurance training. So going Mm. lighter weight for their endurance training, again, they're not going lightweight. They're still doing challenging weights, but doing more of an endurance base where they're going 10 or 12 reps. So it's higher repetition, sort of prepping their muscles. And then those other six weeks after they do a deload week, whatnot, then they are incorporating in heavy strength work where they're only doing four to six, kind of getting closer to their one rep max. And they're building that strength, especially in their quads. And it actually helps them one with their time in their runs, but just like the, the amount of power and, res- or and endurance that they've now built up over this program has actually kept one of my clients from getting injured. One of the reasons she stopped running was because she kept getting hurt. And mm-hmm. she ran um, a half recently and she's like, this is the first time I haven't been injured after a half marathon. And so That's it was really interesting. And she built up so much muscle, especially in her lower body to really help. And her core was so much stronger than it had ever been. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to, I mean, if you want to be, not even if you want to be good at running, but if you want to be running pain-free, I'm yeah, sorry. This, I, this, like, there is so much chaos happening in this video. Like, <laughs> I, I cannot even control. Like, Your dog is so ready to go play. It's not even she, funny. Like, oh, my gosh. I, yeah, my, um, my door has bite marks in it currently. Oh my God. I love it. Um, I kind of miss those days sometimes when my dog was a little puppy, a little crazy puppy, but then sometimes I'm like, you know what? No. Uh, anyways, I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, lifting weights. This is the, so this is one of the things that I, I have always told my, my clients. I, I have quite a few, I have quite a few running clients who have been runners for a long time and they've ran multiple halves, fulls, what have you before they came and found me. And one of the things that blows their mind is how much weight I make them lift. Like, no, they're not going to be lifting so heavy that, you know, they're only doing like four reps on a squat or things like that or a deadlift, whatever. But yeah, I'm making them get under a barbell. Yes, we're putting plates on the barbell. Like, yes, you are going to be doing these these heavier lifts because it does take a lot of strength to be able to run injury free. And, and even if you look at these professional, you know, these professional marathon runners and stuff, you might say, man, they are so skinny. They probably don't really pick up weights. That is so not true. They are lifting heavy. I can guarantee you that any Olympian you see is doing heavy back squats in the weight room. They are doing heavy walking lunges. I mean, they are picking up heavy weight, again, relative to them and their needs. Like, no, they're not going to be bodybuilder status. But again, that's not their goal. Their goal is to be running fast for a long period of time. So they're going to go through these, these. Um, I mean, everything in training is is 
period, period is period. Oh my God. I cannot talk right now. Periodize, periodization, Periodized. whatever. Yeah. So yeah, they're going through mesocycles essentially. Yes. Periodization training. Yes. And, and it's just the same, like uh, whether you're on running or whether you're lifting, you're going to have these, these cycles of where focusing on endurance and then we're going to be focusing on our building our strength then we're going to go back to endurance and then we're going to go back to strength because we're building this threshold and now we've gotten to this threshold so now we need to work at this threshold for a while so that we can actually maintain this threshold and then we increase and then we get to a new threshold it's just like any other type of training it's the same thing with running and it's the same thing with training or weightlifting for your running Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, you mentioned earlier, when you're running, you're never on both feet at the same time. So essentially you are pushing 150 plus pounds or however much you weigh on one leg every single time you run. And that is a lot of weight. So if you think, oh, I can't, I can't squat that much. You're literally pushing away one leg with your body weight every single time you move or you take pride. There's a fantastic and very interesting um, fact out there. I was like, what am I trying to say right now? There's an interesting fact that has been researched time and time again. And your calf muscles, so each one of your little calf muscles that are not big muscles, take on three to five times your body weight every single time you take a step when you run. So. That's, I mean, like you said, that's a crazy amount of weight every single time you take a step when you run. So yes, we have to be in the weight room lifting. If you're not lifting, you are going to pull a muscle. You're going to hurt your Achilles tendon. You're going to hurt the bottoms of your feet. You're going to have back of the knee pain. You're going to have low back pain all because your body is taking on a lot of force every time you take a step when you run. So so yes, warm up. Warming up is so important to keep yourself from being injury free, but you can't just go out and run. And no good runner, no no runner out there who is worth their salt in running is not weightlifting. There's no way. I'm willing to bet thousands of dollars on that. She's like thousands, not millions. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I'd also take millions. Like who wants to bet me? <laughs> Okay, so one last question. If someone is like me where they have been weightlifting for a majority of their athletic career, how can they start incorporating running in? Does that look like one day of running? Does that look like incorporating running into a few days a week? Or like what might that look like? Yeah, so if you're starting from ground zero um, with your running and – you're looking to incorporate it. I would say let's do one day a week to start just one and do something very easy. Um, I always recommend people who are starting out running, doing some sort of like on off interval where we're running for one minute on, and then maybe we're walking for two minutes and then we're running for one minute again, and then walking for two minutes. Um, and just getting your, not only your cardiovascular health up to a point where you can maintain your run, but again, what you're doing, like we've talked about, you're taking a lot of force every time you take a step. You're building muscle mass to prepare you to run. You are doing endurance, quote unquote, endurance lifting every time you take a step when you run. And so we have to get to the point where our muscles can handle that 
pressure that we're putting on them. Um, so start out very slow. Um, if you are somebody who is looking to, you know, maybe you have a goal in 2023 to you want to run your first half marathon, your first full marathon, do not wait three months out. There's a lot of, there's a lot of running programs out there, a ton of half and full marathon programs out there that are like 10 week programs, 12 week programs, um, things like that. And if you're new to running, that is not enough time, not enough time. In fact, me personally, somebody who runs, I run four to five times a week. That's not enough time for me to train. I don't, if, if somebody says, Hey, let's go jump in this half marathon. It's, it's six weeks out. I'm going to laugh and say, I can't do that. <laughs> I, I'm going to injure myself. I don't want to get hurt. So make sure you give yourself plenty of time. I am actually training a woman right now who, um, who she was, a she's a, a class person. She, you know, jumps into orange theory here and there. She does yoga classes, what have you. Um, and she is running the Austin full marathon. She just jumped straight in. She's never done a race before and she's jumping straight into the Austin full marathon, um, which the Austin marathon is on February 19th. So it is coming up. Um, this, this, this woman, we started talking, um, eight months ago. And eight months ago, we had our first phone call about training for this. And so eight months ago, I said, yeah, I'm really glad you're thinking about this now because this is the time that you need to start training since you've literally never ran before. And so she has spent the last eight months preparing for this full. And her and I actually just recently had a conversation a couple, uh, this was last week. We had a, a training check-in call because she's virtual, so I don't get to see her in person every day. Um we had a call and she was like, I'm very nervous about this race. Uh, I don't know. You know, she's like it with anything. She's like getting a little cold feet and is, is getting nervous because the race is only six less than six weeks out at this point. And, you know, she's asking me, like, do you think I'm ready for this? And and I asked her, you know, I asked her, I was like, be completely honest with me on your long runs that you're doing. How is your body feeling? Are you feeling any aches and pains? Are you having joint issues? Are, are there any muscles that are super tight? And she said, no, I feel really good when I'm out there running 12, 13 miles. And I said, you're ready. Like you're going to be ready. And the only reason that she's ready is because she's doing a program that she's been doing for eight months. She has been very slowly building up her mileage. You know, we started her long run. We started her long run out at like, you know, and you think of long run as these like Oh, like they're running 10 miles and stuff. No, her long run on the weekend started out at two miles. And our conversation for her first long run, I said, run until you have to walk and don't push it. If your body is saying, I want to walk, let yourself walk, walk as long as you need to walk for the rest of the two miles. If you need to, if you ran for 10 minutes straight and then you walked the rest of the two miles, that is okay. Um, and now she's at a point where she's running, you know, 12, 14 miles on her long runs and she is running them almost without stopping. She still stops and walks, you know, here and there, but she's like, I don't feel any pain. I feel fine. I feel good. And I said, okay, like you're going to be fine then. Yes. It's going to be a lot different running 26.2. Um, but you know, I told her the same thing. I was like, take it like you would your normal long run. If your body is telling you to walk, walk it out for a while until you can start jogging again she's going to be fine. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is she's been training for eight months for this. 
she did not start training eight weeks ago. Because if she had called me and said, hey, I want to run the Austin half back in, if she had called me even in October and said, I've never ran anything before, I want to run the half or the full, I would have said, I can't help you. You're not going to be ready. Like I'm, I'm never going to train somebody that's to do something that I do not feel confident that they're going to be able to do it injury free. And I would not have felt confident. And I've had that conversation with people before. I've, I've had to have that hard conversation of, look, I don't think you're going to be ready for this in that amount of time. And some people are very understanding and they're like, okay, thank you. Um, can you help me get ready for another one? And then other people get mad because people don't like being told no. And I'm not necessarily telling them no, but I'm letting them, I'm being straight up honest. And I'm like, Hey, this is, you can seriously hurt yourself. And I'm not gonna, I'm under my watch. That's not happening. I love that. And that's also very inspiring. I am the person who assumes that if I have to stop walking, that means I'm not running. And so I think that's also really important to take from this, that if you are trying to get into running, like just because you need to walk part of that mileage doesn't mean it's the end for you. Um, I mean, I tell that to my clients all the time. Sometimes you got to take a break between a couple of reps to get those last three reps because you're like, holy moly, I just like need a second. And so I think that's important to remember. And uh, yeah, I think it's also really awesome that you said, you know, everybody is a runner. If you're moving your legs and you are at a slow jog, you are a runner. It comes down to the mentality. And I always preach growth mindset. If you have that all or nothing of I am a runner or I'm not a runner, then I think that it really does hold us back because our our minds, our, our minds, our mind, our thoughts, and the opinions we have about ourselves do speak volumes. And if we yes. are constantly putting that in our heads, we're subconsciously going to think that we're not able to do something that we are literally, if you have able-bodied legs and can walk, there's a very good chance you can run. It's instinctual in us. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh-huh. I think that's important to remember <laughs> as well. I I love that you said that. I I preach all the time to my athletes that, you know, your mindset can make or break you. And it's so true. Like the way you talk to yourself matters. If you look at yourself in the mirror every day and say, I'm not a runner because I don't weigh this much. I'm not a runner because I can't run without stopping for 10 minutes. Like you're never going to be happy with any goal you meet. Like even if you do get to the point finally where you ran that that 5K or whatever it is, you're not going to be happy with it. You're not going to be satisfied. You're going to tell yourself why it doesn't matter or why what you just accomplished isn't good enough. And you have to you have to talk to yourself, you know, like like you have to have a little bit of confidence in yourself. And I know that that's really hard to do. Um, but the way you talk to yourself, it matters a lot. I love that. Well, Sonia, this has been great. I have never felt more inspired to run. Uh, Let's go, girl. I'm like, now I have all this inspiration. I was looking for cross-training shoes now, and now I'm like, okay, got to go get some on so I can go go on a run. Uh, but where can people find you if they are looking to either learn more about you or your running programs? Yeah, so you can visit my website, uh, sofastsonia.com, or you can check out my Instagram, which is also uh, sofastsonia. 
perfect. And I will put all of those links in the show notes so people can go ahead and check those out. And to everybody listening, just a reminder to be bold, to be confident, and to be you. 